Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a Garden of Eden, freely pouring out the Word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to have you with us this morning. I trust that what I have to say to you will be a great help. We're going to be doing something a little different today. We're going to be talking about my book, my new book, and showing you how they can help you to have a spiritual tune-up. And my book has taken me about 20 years to get it to the place that I have it, and uh, 57 years of serving the Lord, and and 36 of those years uh, pastoring, and having a a uh, master's degree in counseling, and things like this. But this is something I believe that all of us need from time to time. We need to have a spiritual tune-up. We need to have a checkup. You know, when every once in a while we go to the doctor and and we go through some tests to see how we're doing. And we need to do the same thing in our spiritual life. We need to check it out from time to time to see how we're really doing. It's too easy to drift. It's too easy to think that we're doing all right when we're not. And these kind of things that can really mess us up spiritually. So today what I want to talk about is how do we keep a victorious Christian life in a world that seems so adverse to Christianity? And this seems to be coming our way more and more all the time as we have Christians accused of all kinds of things which uh, they're not guilty of, but that, that doesn't make any difference. It seems to be uh, something that's happened down through the centuries is even coming to America. And so we need to be ready for it. If we're not prepared, it's not going to be a pretty situation. But if we can prepare and realize where the problem really is at, then it's going to be much better for us and we will make it. We'll be able to get through any kind of of a spiritual storm that that comes our way. I'm not only talking to Christians today, but I'm talking to people who would like to be a Christian, who really don't, they don't know an awful lot about what Christianity is, or they've been living a, away from it. And even in the church, there are many people who really don't understand what the Christian faith is all about, and that's sad indeed. The Lord, you know, said that He would build His church, and the gates of hell would not would not stand against it, would not be able to prevail. But there is much that's passed off as Christian church today that all of us know is not really that Christian, and it's because maybe we haven't made this spiritual checklist. We haven't really checked our spiritual life out. So my book title is Seven Steps to God's Glorious Freedom. It came out last month on the, on the 9th of last month, 
And um, then the subtitle is Focusing the Word of Truth on the Raging Sea of Treacherous Lies. And so um, I want to talk about this just a little bit. I'm going to go through the steps and show you what they are and things like this today. But before we start that, we have to make for sure that we're even in a place where this is going to do us any good. So there's, I start the book out by talking about the end. So it's the end of rebelling against God and his ways. Before we can really get any help from the Lord, we have to be a friend of his. We need to put down our rebellion and we need to be his friend. If we're willing to do that, then the rest of it is going to make a lot of sense and it's going to help you wonderfully to live that victorious Christian life, to live in the rivers of living water where the Holy Spirit has full and complete control of you and you will find the blessing of God upon you every day and every moment of your day. If we ever needed God, it's today. And it's not just any old God. There's a lot of gods and even goddesses in the world today, but the God that I'm talking about is the one that created us, the one that is eternal in the heavens, that he never had a beginning, he never will have an end. I'm talking about the God that knows everything, that sees you, that understands you, that is eternally interested in you, is so interested in you that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and die for you, that you might have life and that you might have abundant life. It seems to be a paradox, but the one that we're really living for can be a bondage or it can be a deliverance. The one we give ourselves to can either be a bondage or a deliverance. If we give ourselves to the world, the flesh, and the devil, which is the element in our society and in our world that's against God, then we will find ourselves in bondage to sin. We'll find ourselves doing things that we really don't want to do and being ways that we don't really want to be and things like that. So if we serve that God, which is the God of this world, then we will be in terrible bondage. But if we're willing to serve the Lord God of glory, our creator and also our redeemer, then we are really free. The Bible teaches us that the truth will set us free. We'll be free indeed. We'll be free to really enjoy life, free to love God, love other people around us, free to be a blessing to ourselves as as well as everyone. To have real freedom is to really submit ourselves completely to the Lord because God has our best interest in mind. The God that has created us and has sent Jesus to us has our very best interest. So to get the most out of life, we have to be the most committed to God and to his ways and his work. 
Now, this is what would bring persecution from time to time because people think that we're being arrogant and being proud because we say that we have, we know God personally and things like this. And some think that you can't know God at all, that you just kind of have to try to do your best. But this is not what the Bible teaches. And this isn't what I've been experiencing for 57 years. And you can experience it as well. There is a place in God's way where you can have a loving, personal relationship with God every day, every moment of your day. If you have problems, you can go to him and he'll help you to solve them. He may not take you out of them, but he most certainly will help you to get through them. And this is what we really need today. We're, we do live in this world and this world is far from being perfect, and because of that, we run into things that that uh, frustrate us and confuse us, perhaps. But if we will keep our minds stayed on the Lord, then the Lord will give us perfect peace. That's in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You can find that scripture. So we can have perfect peace in a world that is so frustrated in a world of lies and fuss and all kinds of things that come our way. I want you to know today that I have written a book that will help you to do this. What I'm really doing is sharing with you my years of experience being with the Lord so that you can have a similar experience that I have. And I think that this will really make a difference to you to your family, how you respond to people, how you respond to circumstances and situations and all these things which we do so much need today. If we don't have something to stand on, if we're not standing for something, we'll fall for anything. If we don't have some kind of absolute foundation that we can stand on, then we end up falling. And there are so many that are falling today. Even churches that have been stable down through the the years are beginning to drift away from the things that they their vision. And the Bible teaches us also if we don't have a vision, then the, we will perish. And so we need this vision. And it's not some kind of a thing that makes us a visionary where we see things that don't even exist. We have a vision that takes us beyond what we see all around us to a God that loves us and cares for us. And in the process of doing that, we can be stable in our lives, in our emotions. We, Whether we're on one side of the planet, as I have been in the past of going to Uganda and helping over there with with some work over there, or whether you're here in Kansas like I am or somewhere else in, in this world, you can have the same actions, the same attitudes. It's not when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans tell you to do. And as Rome does, you have specific things, you have specific standards that you follow regardless of what crowd you're in regardless of what part of the world you're in you're stable that way and so 
people don't have to worry about what you're going to be doing today or tomorrow, or maybe you're mean today and good tomorrow, and this kind of, of a thing that's happening to so many people. But you can have a stable experience where you have a love that will not break when the going gets rough. I've heard the expression that when the going gets rough, the rough get going. And we can do that only as we have something beyond ourselves. And it's not just something, it's someone that takes our hand and leads us gently along and understands our needs. He is not a kind of being that is always standing over us, a club in his hand, getting ready to beat us down every time we make some kind of a, a wrong move. He understands that we are human. He understands our frailties. We're, sometimes we get sick and, and we might even die. And people do that all the time. And I've heard the expression, you can't get out of this world alive. And, and you know, that's the way it is. But there might be a group of people, if when Jesus comes back, that we won't go through the death that most people go through, everyone goes through, but we will be transformed, our bodies will be transformed. We talk about that as, as being the rapture or the resurrection of the church. And so that will take place, but... Here we are, <laughs> looked at my clock and found out that we're up on a, a break. So this is Howard Eugene Wright. I'm hosting Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. Now... More Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. In the first part of our talk show today, we've been talking about how that you, you have to end rebellion against God in order to walk in to His presence. And I've been telling you about my new book that I have out called Seven Steps to God's Glorious Freedom, and uh, today I'm doing a review of this, kind of to show you the various steps that you take in order to come into God's glorious freedom. And so now, in this part, I want to take step one, and step one is actually in two parts. First is the author's com comment, and in that I show you that uh, a socialist type of system has been put in a good part of our world. And as and I show what the ten rules are in that. And so that's what I start out with, because we need to know our enemy. Before we can really live a, a victorious life in Christ Jesus, we need to know who the enemy is. And we need to see the enemy and understand where the enemy is coming from and what the enemy is trying to do. And so the second uh, the uh, second part of step one is the church that Satan's slaves built. Now, I have a book also by that title, and a lot of 
the information that is in my new book is also in this this book, the uh, the church that Jesus slaves built, which you've been hearing advertised from time to time on our programs. You see, if if you only have one particular problem, then maybe you don't need the full dose. And that's the reason I'm doing these little books, is if you're having a particular problem in one of these particular areas that I'm talking about, and you seem to be doing pretty good in the rest of it, then you can get the smaller book, and uh, in that way you can zero in on what your problem is. Does that make sense? It, You know, we have to be wise as serpents and harmless as dove, is what Jesus said. And so we got to know our enemy. The Bible tells us that Jesus, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that the enemy comes as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But he also comes as an angel of light to deceive, and his ministers are also light bearers, but the wrong kind of light. And so we, this is our step one, is realizing who the enemy is, seeing how the church has been infiltrated by the enemy, to see why the church is so powerless today and what we can do about it. In each one of these areas that I point out in this particular step, I not only show you the temptation to compromise, the temptation to let down, but also give you a solution to that. So in the first step of of, uh, going to God's glorious freedom in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we have to not only to see the problem, but know how to handle the problem. So that's what I do in this first part. And then the the second step is to learn about your operation manual. The Bible is our operation manual. And so we need to take and understand how to use the operation manual because it's also referred to as the sword of the Spirit. In the Christian life, we're supposed to have the whole armor on. And in order to have the whole armor which is talked about in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, where it says to put on the whole armor of God and then tells you what piece, of, what each piece of that armor is, um, we need to understand the parts that are to be used in our fight against the enemy. And I want you to know that we do have a fight today, that the battle is heating up. And we need to be able to take the sword of the Spirit, to take the operation manual, and use it properly. Now, the Bible has 66 books. starts out with Genesis and ends up with Revelation. There are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. The New Testament is actually what the Old Testament is talked about in in the book of Jeremiah, where it says, A new covenant I will make with you. 
So the New Testament is the new covenant that God made with the Jewish people. When the Jewish people did not follow it properly, and then Paul, which was sent as a missionary, as an apostle, to the Gentiles, and that was everyone that wasn't a Jew. So the New Testament is actually the new covenant that God has given not only to the the Jewish people, but also to the people we call Christian, or those that are following God through the Lord Jesus Christ. These two go together, and so we have a united book. There's no real contradictions in the Bible. Now, we can make contradictions if we take things out of context, or if we take one scripture from one place and put it somewhere else where it doesn't make a lot of sense and things like that. You can do the same thing with your newspaper or any other thing that you've got. But if you take it from Genesis to Revelation the way that it ought to be taken, you'll find out that it is a book that has one theme in mind, and that is to know God and to know his love and his forgiveness and to be able to live for God and live for others, love God and love others. And when I'm talking about love, I'm talking about a sacrificing type of love that is willing to give ourselves to the betterment of the human race. And we realize what the problems are. We know what the answer is as well. And so we're out here giving the answer. So in this particular step, I have 13 different chapters in this. So it's quite extensive. It tells you um, everything from the world of the Spirit in chapter 1 to formulating a Christian theology in chapter 13. It gives you a very extensive thing as far as understanding what the Bible is all about. If we're going to be Christians, we've got to understand the Bible because that really is where everything comes from that makes us real Christians. And if we take a verse out here and a verse out there and make make it what we want it to be, then we'll find that we're powerless. And a lot of of churches have done that, and, and they don't really... They're not able to help their community. They're not able to help their families or even help themselves. But if we really understand the Bible, apply it the way that it needs to be, let the Holy Spirit come in and shed his love, the love of God abroad in our heart, and let him be our the one that leads us into all truth and hide the word of God in our heart that we not sin against God and and that we meditate on the Word day and night, and we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, we don't stand in the way of sinners, and we don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Our delight is in the law of the Lord. The Bible tells us that then we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and will bring forth fruit to God to those around about us. That is Psalm number 1. Psalm 1 is what I quoted a good part of it just now. So we need to know it. If we don't know it, then we can be fooled quite easily. And a lot of people are being fooled because they really don't know what 
this thing of Christianity is all about. You know, the truth of the matter is, at the beginning, Christians weren't even called Christians. They were, uh, Paul was accused of being a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. And that doesn't mean that the the denomination of the Nazarene church is the only church. There isn't any church that the only church, the church of Jesus is a group of people who have turned their lives over to the Lord. And you can find those in all kinds of denominations. They're everywhere. But I talk about the generations. I talk about the covenants. talk about the law, the judges, the kings and the kingdom, the writings of Job through the Song of Solomon, the prophets and their prophecies, the Savior of lost mankind, the gospel and the gospel, the great commission call of the church. Jesus is coming to receive his kingdom and the formulating of a Christian theology. Those are the chapters where, uh, you know, we, we just need to understand. And I give over 300 keys to understanding the scriptures in this particular part. And, you know, the Lord said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And so I'm giving you those keys. We're up on our next break. So this is Howard Eugene Wright. I'm hosting Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. We're talking today about having a spiritual tune-up. From time to time, we need to find out just where we're at with the Lord so that we don't drift off into some area where God has to find his lost sheep that went astray. So we need to, from time to time, have a spiritual checkup. And I talked about uh, knowing your enemy, and then I've talked to you about knowing your operation manual, knowing what is it uh, is all about when we're talking about the sword of the Spirit. And so in this segment, I want to talk about having spiritual warfare. I have alluded from time to time and in our presentation today, that there is a spiritual warfare. And if we haven't figured that out, then you might be on the wrong side. If you're on the side of the Lord, then you are in a battle. If you're not battling, it might be because you're not, you're, you're not fighting it. You're living for the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if that's the case, you don't have to worry too much about the battle that I'm talking about that I'm going to be showing you pretty soon here. But if you're really following God, if you're really loving God, then that roaring lion that I told you about and that angel of light that comes to deceive is going to try every trick in the book on you. And you have to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, as Jesus told us to be. So in In step three, 
of our seven-step seven program, we were talking about understanding the times and seasons for greater preparedness for spiritual warfare. In this step, I start out by a call to repentance from turning away from everything that has hindered us from being everything that God wants us to be. And I list a, a number of these things that we need to repent of in the book. And the book that you just heard advertised is the same book. It's the small book that you can use. If you're having a lot of spiritual battles today and, and you need some help in order to undertake to be able to be victorious, then the book that you heard advertised would be the book for you. And so then God's Operation Manual for Spiritual Warfare goes through and uses It's kind of like a military thing. It starts out, with the military code of ethics. And it also starts out with you committing yourself to the battle. Once you have turned away from all the things that are hindering you, you drop the extra baggage. When we're in battle, we have enough to carry without carrying some extra stuff. And so once you've repented and turned away from all that extra baggage, so to speak, and you're now fully in the Lord Jesus' way, then be prepared for the battle. If we don't prepare, we'll be caught off guard and, and we'll really be beat up badly. And a lot of people are being beat up because they haven't prepared. Some people think that all life is pretty easy when a person becomes a Christian. He never has any problems, and everything is just joy and peace. Sometimes you might feel like you're falling to pieces, and you might feel like there's not much joy. And a lot of people have been disillusioned. They come to the Lord, and the Lord lifts the burden of sin off of them, and they just feel like they're on cloud 13, and things are just going fine, and, and all at once something hits them broadside, and they said, well, what is that? And then they know more than, than get over that, and something else hits them. And, and they get disillusioned, and they say, well, if this is Christianity, it's no better than what I had. And before they even get started and realize the, the wonderfulness of serving the Lord and all the things that come with it, they get discouraged and they go the other way. The Bible talks about that there are four different kinds of ground. One's the hard ground. The ground has been beaten up to the place where it's nothing but a rock. And when the word of God comes to them, the enemy comes and just gobbles it up and you never, they never get the message. Then there are those that are on rocks, on stony places, and the seed falls on the stones, and and that um, is soon it soon dies. Then there's the briars and the thistles and and that area, and the word is choked out. 
but then there are those that are on the good ground and they bring forth fruit. And that fruit is the fruit of holiness. So we're going counter to the world where, you know, any old fish can go upstream, but it takes a live one to go down. I mean, any old fish can go downstream, but it takes a live one to go upstream. And so if we're dead in trespass and sin, we just kind of go with the flow. But if we have a vision of God and we have God in our hearts and lives and we see a better way and we're following that better way, you're going to go against the current. And that's the reason why that that uh, persecution of church is heating up. Some people in the world are really having a lot more persecution than we are in America. But if things don't change, we could have a lot of persecution in America as well. We're seeing parts of it already. But, you know, the operation manual will show you exactly how to do the various things when you come upon these various temptations, just exactly how to handle them. And it'll show you how to be a soldier for Jesus. And when I'm talking about a soldier in battle, I'm not talking about someone that picks up guns and bombs and these kind of weapons that that the world would use. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're spiritual to tearing down the imaginations and thoughts of our own hearts and of those around about us that would want to war against God. And there is a war going on, and you're either on one side or the other. You can't be in the middle. You can't be a referee standing there refereeing each side. You have to either be on one side or the other. You were born on the devil's side, and the only way you're going to get on God's side is through a loving personal relationship with him that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't say that. God said that. Jesus said that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's in John 14, verse 6, if you'd like to look it up. Now, having done that, having your armor on, being ready to fight, be ready to fight with God's terms, not some kind of worldly way that goes and beats up your enemy and blows up buildings and things like that. We don't do that kind of thing. We're, there's no use of us doing any, that kind of thing because the Bible also teaches us that greater is he that's in you than he that's of the world. And so when we're really hooked up with God's power, we don't have to worry about using weapons of the world. So if you see a person that's a Christian and he's out there shooting up everything and he's, he's wanting to bomb the, the, uh, abortionist clinics and things like that, I want you to know that that guy is either misdirected or that woman's misdirected. There's something wrong somewhere because that isn't the way that Christians do things. We don't beat them up. We lift them up. We lift them up into higher places in Christ Jesus the same way that we were lifted up. So having gone that step, we're ready for the next step. And that is developing a sound mind for greater service for God and others. That is step four. We need to have a sound mind. The Bible tells us that we haven't been called to uncleanness. 
I mean, the Bible tells us we haven't been called to fear, but we've been called to power, to love, and to a sound mind. And the power comes in purity. When our lives are pure, when the Lord comes in and purifies us, then we have power. We don't have another agenda. And people see us for what we are. We don't try to hide things and cover up things. We're just bold and and brave and and we stand up for the Lord. And so we need to have a sound mind. We have to have have to have a renewing of our mind. And so in in this section I also have some graphs and I and things that will help you to understand exactly what it means to have a sound mind. I talk about inductive and deductive reasoning. I give you the different things that you need to know to find out just exactly how to think reasonably, to think rationally, to think logically. And isn't this something that we really need today? Then I talk about the assumptions of the good science circles. I have 12 of those assumptions that that good scientists. And when I'm talking about a scientist, I'm not talking about someone that has a Ph.D. behind him in some particular area of science. I'm talking about people that go out and investigate the world, that they see the world for what it really is, and they are able to use the things that I've got to be able to look at the world, to understand the deep things that are there, to understand biology and and chemistry and and astronomy and and all these different things that are mentioned in the Bible. The Bible is not some kind of a book that's that stuck out there in an open space and it doesn't interrelate with the world, with the our world around us. And I'm talking when I'm talking about that kind of a world, I'm talking about the things that we see, the things we hear, the things we smell, the things we can taste. We can use our senses on. We need to have a mind that is clear and is accurate, that can think rationally. And the Bible also tells us that that God said, Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. They'll be... And so God wants to reason with us. God gave us a mind not just to hang it on the shelf, put it on the shelf somewhere. He wants us to use it, but we've got to use it effectively. And we've got to use it according to some rules of logic. And this is so important today when we have so many false things at us where people talk about billions of years that the earth's been upon, been in existence and that they even talk about nature being eternal and they make nature our God. And that's not unusual. That's been going on for a long time as well. And we'll get back to this. We're on our last break. So this is Howard Eugene Wright at Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. Let's get back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. 
I trust that what I've been telling you today will help you to have the spiritual tune-up that you really would need. And and if you've gone through a spiritual tune-up recently, then you know what I'm talking about. But for the most of us, we have to do this from time to time. And so I've been going through my new book called God uh, called uh, Seven Steps to God's Glorious Freedom. And so, you know, I'm 75 and still pretty much alive. And um, I'm not plagued with a lot of the sicknesses that other people have. And a part of the reason is, is, you know, it really pays to serve Jesus, that you don't really have so many problems that you just get all frustrated and they grind you down. God will not allow us to have that which is beyond our ability. And if it is beyond our ability, he'll give us the strength and grace to go through it and to overcome it. But um, I talked about the in this fourth step, I talk about the uh, characteristics of good science. I talk about back to the Garden of Eden for good science. And the book that was just, advertised is a more extensive book on the subject of um, God's prescriptions for a healthy society will go into more detail than what I have in the book. And then communicating a world, a Christian worldview. And I talk about that. I have a graph there that shows you how you think and how we make decisions and I have at the top of that graph is kind of, a, it's a triangle. It, and it shows how that we communicate with other people and all those different kinds of things. It'll be very helpful to you. Now let's go to step five in this seven step program. Now this step is showing how that, that, uh, we contrast Modern science, it's not science at all, it's just a propaganda ring, with true science based upon what I talked to you about of using our ability to reason rather than letting someone else reason for us and we just kind of follow like lost sheep. God doesn't want us to do that. God is very reasonable and it may not seem like it sometimes, but he really is very reasonable. And so in this one, I, I talk about good science research has established the truth of special creation. We show in this one, and I quote some, some authorities there that, that have shown us this. And, and so we need to know that, that, uh, creation science is a science. It's as much of a science as the other science is. The truth of the matter is, it depends on the history rather than on our experimentation when it comes to finding origins. The person who done it ought to be able to tell you how he did it. And we find how he did it, how God did it in Genesis 1 and 2. So we don't have to guess at it. So that shows 
the scientific nature of special creation. Matter of fact, to say that God created this world is more in line with science than to say that he didn't. Okay, then the next thing we have is is some good results when we use God-honoring principles of good science. And in the next chapter, some bad results when we use the other way of talking and saying, well, it just all came into being. And then the last one is developing good science and staying clear of the science falsely so-called syndrome. So we go through that, and that is is the, the fifth step. And as you can see, one of these follows the other. Then I'd because it is so important today, and people are, just seem to be worshiping science, and whatever science says, regardless of what the Bible says or common sense says, we just kind of go along with it. I, I show the marriage of the Holy Bible and true science, and it's a little play. It's a three-act play. And in that, I, I go through and show how the, they're reenacting their marriage. Kind of interesting. It didn't take me long to write this. It was interesting how the Lord showed it to me. And so this is the, the sixth step is seeing, understanding the logic behind the fact that good science and the Bible go hand in hand. They fit together perfectly. Then I go for the next part, I talk about the beginning. We talked about the end, and after we've gone through all of this and we've done these things, then we have a new beginning. The Bible tells us that old things have passed away and all things have become new. So we have a, a new life in Christ Jesus. And by this time, as we're beginning to understand these things, our spiritual life, is beginning to tune up pretty well. But we need to know, now what are we going to do? We have this new beginning. We have a new life in the Lord Jesus, and, and we're feeling excited about it. We want to do something for the world and something for God. And, and to do something for God is to do something for the world. To honor and glorify God is to honor people and honor the things around us. So... We, we have a new life with a new beginning. God doesn't just turn over a new leaf for us. He gives us an entirely new life. He forgets about the things of the past, and he takes us into his family as a new creature in Christ. And so we are in a, a new family. If you're there, you know what I'm talking about. The last step in this seven-step program is the church that Jesus built, developing a loving personal relationship with Jesus. In this one, I show you 14 facets of Jesus' true church, which is another title of one of my little books. And so if you have come to this place and you would like to know how to live for Jesus more and what all that means, and what are the different facets, everything from living a holy life to being Jesus being the vine and you being the branches and, 
Jesus being the shepherd and and you're the the sheep and and all of these you find this and so that brings you right up in to the presence of God where you can live this renewed life and from time to time we need to be renewed we need a new touch of God we need a new step forward for him and so by taking these seven steps that I'm talking to you about in seven steps to God's glorious freedom you can have something that maybe you've never had before maybe you didn't even think it was real it was even possible but it is now at the end of the book I give you uh, a bibliography that enables for you to go further into study and and a lot of books, some of these books are out of date, and so you'll have to talk to a pastor that may have them yet. And I had a, all these books, and I had a young pastor friend, and I gave a lot of them to him, kind of passed them down, you know. But these, a lot of the books that are in there, and I talk about all the different things I've talked about in the STEPS program here, and I have some end notes. And then there's a little biography of the author back there. So, you know, we can have a new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can have something that fits with what our Creator wanted to be. At the beginning, Adam and Eve messed up like we have so much in our lives as well. And none of us are absolutely perfect. God's the only one that's absolutely perfect in every detail. So we're, we have a proneness to kind of drift a little bit and we had to get back. But none of us that really love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves are going to go back into gross sin again. None of us are going to start acting like the devil again. We're going to we're going to be looking in the right direction. The Bible tells us that we're looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And so we take on the mind of Christ. We take on the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ. We, we are, we're, our baptism shows that we died when we go into the water. And when we come back out of the water, it shows that we have resurrected we put the old life down below, and now we're ready for the new life. We're coming close to the end of this program. I trust that this has been a blessing to you. You can find this book and also a, a free, you can get a free um, PDF file on it and just type in deceitfulmasters.com and go to my website, which is in the process of being changed. And you'll you'll see it there, and you'll be able to take the PDF free file and look at it and see what it's all about. And then if you want to buy it, you can do that as well. Have a nice week this week, and, and may the Lord bless you in a wonderful way. So this is me, Howard Eugene Wright, signing off of Rivers of Living Water at CrossZone.com. Mm-hmm.